We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. On this episode of Drinks with Thinks, I'm pumped to chat with one of sports broadcasting's best storytellers who I haven't seen since we did karaoke in New York City in the before times, ESPN's Jen Lada. We chat about the pulse of Wisconsin after a banana sandwich of an NFC championship, how she feels many in the industry are typecast, including herself, and she gives me her karaoke strategy, which stemmed from a desire to be less of a perfectionist and let's face it, everyone sucks at karaoke. And if you don't, you're a jerk. This is Drinks with Binks. Hey guys, welcome on into Drinks with Binks. I'm Julie Stewart Binks. This is the show that chats with the best, the biggest, and let's be honest, the coolest people in sports, entertainment, and media over a beverage of their choice. And we've had a lot of water and a, and a lot of coffee, but today I'm very excited to have something local with a friend of mine who's also a colleague. This friend I have not seen since obviously before the pandemic, but I think the last time I saw her was at karaoke in New York City. I'm very pleased to welcome in the one and only Jen Lada from ESPN, ESPN reporter, ESPN Milwaukee, storyteller. Just you can see all of the Emmys right behind her. Jen, <laughs> so glad to have you on the show and to see you because it has been such a long time. How are you doing today? The Emmys are such a savage flex, right, Julie? It's like, in case you're not sure what I do, great Poupon, that's how I feel. Whenever you have to have it. I'm like, I have Emmy envy right now. I mean, I got this bad boy telly right here for a show that doesn't really exist anymore. But Emmys, got to put them out there. All right. Well, at least you've given me permission. I feel a little bit better about it. Oh, yeah, definitely. And uh, we are we always have a drink on the show. What are we drinking and toasting to today, Jen? Oh, gosh. What are we toasting to? We are toasting to, I guess, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the... Uh, Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl, right? Um, we're drinking a little Door County Cherry. It's from a local distillery here in Milwaukee called Central Standard Craft Distillery. And I've paired it with a little Perrier strawberry. So a little tartness from the cherry vodka, a little sweetness from the strawberry, I'm sorry, the watermelon, watermelon Perrier. Um, so cheers to you. Jen, I love that. You have more drinking knowledge than me. I think you're coming for an Emmy for this show. Uh, I don't have that. I have also a vodka something or other, you know? Well, Julie, just so you're aware, I have three children, so. Jen, 
I don't know how you have three kids and do what you do. That is insane. And we're going to get to how you balance work and life and uh, just absolutely slaying it in the media industry in a second. But as you mentioned, we have a Super Bowl. We have made it to the idea of a Super Bowl in a pandemic. Again, hand up. I'm doing a lot of hands up right now. I didn't think we would make it here at this point in the season. And for you, you're in Milwaukee, which I looked up is in Wisconsin, and this is a tough day for people in Wisconsin. NFC Championship banana sandwich ended in, in a sad idea that uh, it was a very beatable Tom Brady. What is the pulse of the city that you live in? We're, we're recording this the day after the NFC Championship. Julie, it's exactly what you just said. Packers fans feel like the Packers could have beaten the Bucs, that Tom Brady threw three picks in that game, two of which were intercepted by Jair Alexander. They had opportunities. You know, they're in the red zone knocking on the door, and they come up almost empty-handed. Actually, it would have been worse than empty-handed because they kick a field goal instead of going for it on fourth down late in the game. Um, a lot of questions, you know, about leadership and decision-making, and then this huge elephant in the room right now, which is, is Aaron Rodgers done in Green Bay, which you would think like, well, no, he's got a couple years left on his contract. Why in the world would this be a conversation? Except that Aaron Rodgers isn't shutting it down. Aaron Rodgers, I think, you know, wants to be in control. And I think that there is a thought process out there that says that he may go to the brass and ask them to like renegotiate his contract to get him a little bit more guaranteed money, which would make it harder for the team to move on from him. So it is very much a conversation in Wisconsin right now, not just the fact that they fell short of making it to the Super Bowl with, yet again, a really good team, 13-3 and three for the regular season, um, but also that it could be the end of Aaron Rodgers' time in Green Bay. I know, and that's so crazy to think because the way at least in which he answered questions about Matt LaFleur's decision-making to go for the field goal, which was just got to have been just a just a bad day at the office at this point, uh, is that he seemed as though he, he was just towing the company line and like, you know, I it's not my decision. I just, you know, did whatever, blah, 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 sounding a la Ron Swanson from Parks and Recreation. <laughs> but the idea that he could go somewhere else, like you are a radio host, you listen to everyone calling in and, and telling th their thoughts and opinions. Where, if Aaron wasn't, you said either restructure or go somewhere else, where do you think, what, what, what happens with Aaron Rodgers next year? I'll hang up and listen. You know, I think he's back in Green Bay. I just think it makes too much sense to keep him around. The only thing that would really jettison him, Julie, is like a general manager's ego. You know, the fact that they drafted Jordan Love, it would kind of be one of those tug of wars between, you know, they call it a bleep measuring contest. I don't know if that tracks well on uh, on your show, but I think that's really what it would come down to if Rodgers went somewhere else. It would be one of them kind of saying like, Oh, you think you're going to dictate to me? Oh, you think you're going to dictate to me? And I, hey, look, we've seen that in sports before, right? When a guy feels like he's earned the right to say how he goes out. Wait, hold on. That happened here in Wisconsin with Brett Favre years and years ago. And here we are again with Aaron Rodgers potentially having a similar sort of like ugly ending to his tenure. Um, I think people are hoping to just wait and see. I saw a lot of people who said this is just an overreaction. But you mentioned mm -hmm. it like... I told the guys this morning, the fact that Rogers said, I didn't know we weren't going to go for it on fourth down. If I had known we were going to kick a field goal on fourth down, I would have called a different play on third down. 
maybe there's some cracks in that foundation of this bromance that they had led us to believe existed in Green Bay because that doesn't sound like a coach and a quarterback who are on the same page, right? You would think that before you go out there for that drive, Rodgers would know whether this is four-down territory or, hey, man, mm-hmm. you've got three chances to punch it in, and if you don't, I'm sending Mason and the field goal unit out. So, again, keep your eye on how all of this shakes out. Green Bay would kind of do itself some favors to get it all ironed out quickly so that it doesn't just roll on into the offseason. Yeah, you just feel so bad that that's how their season ended considering how well they've done and how much better of a team they really are. Then, so again, Bay Buccaneers drink in Wisconsin, Julie. This is why we drink in Wisconsin. Doesn't that taste good? And we have Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski heading back to the Super Bowl for like 10,000th time that they've been there. We got the Chiefs. We got the Bucks. You are an incredible storyteller. You're approaching this. What is like a story of this matchup that that sort of wets your palate? Okay, well, beyond the fact that Tom Brady definitely has his Super Bowl punch card filled, right? Like, you know when you go to the sub place and they punch your card and you get like... 10 punches and you get a free sub. Does Tom Brady get like a free Super Bowl now when you get so many when you accumulate? Or did he lose the card like the rest of us mortals, mm. right? Because you know that you're like on the cusp of getting that 10th one and then you can't find it in your giant Mary Poppins purse. Maybe that's just me. <laughs> um, besides that, it's got to be the combination of the two goats coming together, right? Like it's almost like the heir apparent to the Brady throne in Patrick Mahomes. Like watching them just kind of dismantle the Buffalo Bills last night, it was like, oh yeah. This kid is really good. Oh, he's mm-hmm. really, really good. And he's got weapons around him that are really good. It does feel a little bit like the changing of the guard. The Patriots were the dynasty for so long, helmed by Tom Brady. And now you've got this new team. A lot of swagger. You know, they're easy to root for. They're easy to like. But just wait. They win a few Super Bowls, and they're going to be just as easy to dismiss like the Patriots. You know, it's funny because I'm not one of these people who has hated Tom Brady. You know, I didn't grow up with him being like, the guy that would knock my team out year after year after year. It was almost this other, you know, growing up, you know, here in the Midwest and NFC North kind of being my division as a Bears fan, we never really had to deal with Tom Brady. <laughs> like, mm-hmm, True. And if you were a Packers fan and you did, it meant you made it to the Super Bowl, right? So he wasn't just this, like, big, bad boogeyman that he has been to the AFC for all of these years. Yes, well, I, on the other hand, have found Tom Brady a little insufferable because nothing nothing bad that happens to Tom Brady ever sticks. It's just like he has a horseshoe up his ass, and, um, you know, even leaving uh, his pregnant wife didn't – she's tweeting, congratulations, I am. Like, nothing bad happens to Tom Brady. He's just – immortal at this point and so that means that he will probably punch that 10th super bowl uh whether he deserves it or not i know he's an incredible player it's very exciting matchup we have a whole lot more you want to get to with jen lotta from espn don't go anywhere i'm dan patrick and i'm sipping on drinks with binks Hey guys, welcome back into Drinks with Thanks. I'm Julie Stewart-Binks, joined by ESPN's Jen Lada. We are sipping on some 
Fine vodka seltzers. You have a local Milwaukee one. I have some generic brand over here. But we are toasting to seeing friends together again and to being able to keep our head above water during this pandemic. And for you, Jen, you know, you're you're so well known for your storytelling and having a, a lot of these emotional pieces that air on ESPN and on game day and, and all over the place. How has the pandemic affected your ability to be able to tell these stories or influenced it in any way? Yeah, no, that's a really good question. Um, we're not traveling at all. The last time I was on a plane for work was in March of last year. So we're coming up on a year anniversary of me not having gone and like sat in someone's living room to, to interview them and tell their story. And look, we've done a remarkable job. This is not just me giving lip service of still being able to tell stories remotely. But, you know, I've said this before. Some stories, you have to be sitting across from somebody in order to effectively, like, empathize with what they're going through. Like, when a mother is telling me about a medical condition that her child has and how she's not sure if he'll ever walk again, and you're sitting thousands of miles away in your office, like, it's not the same, man. It does, it hits different. So as much as I've appreciated not having to pack a bag and make sure I have three different looks and outfits and, you know, all of the other stuff that goes along with traveling, um, I have missed those personal connections that you make with the subjects. Right, because there's a certain energy and a level of trust that does get cultivated when you're in the same room versus uh, Zoom. And that's even, we, we, our brains are almost having a hard time with like, me interviewing you right now is the exact same as like us doing a FaceTime as friends. So your brain is like totally messed up on like how to feel in certain circumstances. Well, and just also you and I would, if we were having a normal conversation sitting across from each other, there would be interjections and there would be like, oh my gosh, absolutely. And like, yeah. Zoom to catch up and you don't want to step on somebody. And so there's that little awkwardness as well. It just doesn't duplicate in-person interaction. It's great. Again, we've done a really good job. It's a workaround, right? I just hope that it doesn't become the work going forward. Mm -hmm. Well, hopefully, yes, when things are safe and you're able to travel again, you'll be able, you'll be afforded that. And that won't be something that's cut because as you mentioned, that's like the whole bread and butter of storytelling. And, you know, we, we asked you certain things of like, you know, what you want to talk about coming on here, the show today. And Taylor Rooks, who's on our show wet before the pandemic said, whenever she interviews people, she's always like, well, what do you want to talk about here today? And I find that so interesting because she does get great uh, sound bites and quotes out of guys. And you said you want to talk about being typecast in the industry. How and why is that something that you want to talk about? I don't think it's done intentionally. I don't think somebody like intentionally makes you out to be like, who's the guy that's in all of the Taken movies? Liam Neeson, right? Like, I don't think they intentionally are like, you're Liam Neeson and every movie that you're going to do is going to be somebody steals your daughter and then you have to go on this vengeance tour to find her. Like, I don't think it's done intentionally, but somebody sees you do something and then they think, ooh, okay. And then they see you doing that forever. And what it does, and I think this is the big danger in it, it takes people from like three-dimensional human beings down to a one-dimensional talent. And so the biggest challenge I've faced in my career, and again, I've been incredibly lucky to have people who have given me opportunities and I've taken them and ran with them, is to like convince people that, Yes, I'm a storyteller. I absolutely love doing the serious stories, the, the stories about you know, people who've been through adversity for College Game Day and for uh, E60. But I also like have a personality. And like I now do a radio show where I'm able to show that personality. And me doing serious stories 
shouldn't be the only way that people see me. Right. And I think there are some people in the industry, maybe executives, that would prefer it that way, right? Like they feel like anything else would jeopardize your credibility. So if I make a fart joke or a poop joke on a radio show, I think there are people who are like, ooh, is that the same person that's going to tell like my story and be, and it's like, yes, because I yeah. am a weird human being that is capable of like handling one thing a certain way and handling another a different way. And I just don't see that with a lot of frequency in our industry. I wonder if you've had a similar experience in that. Yeah, of course. I think you could definitely see that as well as being a sideline reporter and then now doing a show that centers around a drink, but it's also a conversation it can be a right, serious right. conversation it can be a silly conversation. But you're right. People have um, it's kind of, I guess, like an acting, too, where they've just seen you and then they're like, that's the only thing that you can do. And then because you've done this thing, oh, that negates your ability to do something else. And so the people that are in charge and I feel that the people that are in charge these days have a lot on their plate to fix. And to segue to another topic our mutual friend and your colleague, Molly McGrath, had, uh, you know, discussed her pregnancy and um, her supportive environment that she's had. And we would had her on the show and you had some, you know, interesting tweets back that you had a male colleague that said when you opened up about being pregnant, said like, oh, well, that's too bad. You're gaining so much great momentum in your career right now. And in in terms of like from your perspective, how do you feel being pregnant in the industry uh, has maybe influenced the trajectory of your career? Well, you have to take time off, right? You just have to. And I know a lot of my colleagues who have felt pressure to, one, not be forthright about their pregnancy because they were afraid that it would change how their bosses or their peers and colleagues would view them. And, and, and this whole idea of availability, as though your brain still doesn't work when you're carrying a child or after you've given birth to a child. Like, I just think there needs to be an understanding of... This is a very, very big deal, what we're going through and what we're dealing with. And yes, we want to be able to contribute in all of the ways, but also we want to feel like we're not going to be punished for making this life choice. I think Molly has done a great job of really being an advocate for putting it out there and, and not feeling like she needed to hide it. Um, I did not feel similarly, in part, and I've talked to you about this because we had had several losses leading up to um, the birth of our first daughter, who is almost three, and to me, it felt like jinxing it. To me, it felt like, mm -hmm. let's just keep this thing in here with this circle in the trust tree in the nest until we're, like, at the finish line, right? Like, especially yeah. with having a late loss like we had, which was at five months, you know, because you often hear, like, oh, if you pass the 12-week threshold, you're in the clear, you know? And that's when you're so excited and you want to share that news. Um, but now having seen more women like Molly who are saying, hey, man, it is what it is. This is my belly. You know, like, I don't, care if, you don't <laughs> care if you hate it. Like, this is my child. I, I love that attitude. I think that's so great. Um, but I do hope that executives, and look, nobody is going to outwardly be against pregnant women. It's all of, like, the rumblings behind the scenes and this idea that you're being boxed out of opportunities or this, like, well, when is she going to come back? Well, when? how much is she going to miss? Like, it's worrying about those conversations taking place that then pressure women to feel like they have to you know, handle a certain way, sometimes rush back from maternity leave in order yeah. to get back to their jobs. Like it's those things I feel like that are really damaging. Um, but I'm loving the progress that's being made. I really am.
Yeah, it seems as though, at least with the conversations that uh, a number of people from ESPN, uh, women have been having these conversations, both, you know, good and bad in terms of like, hey, whoever's in charge, like, we got to change our thinking. Uh, this has to be a more supportive environment. And also, if you're worried about when I'm going to come back, uh, this country doesn't allow a whole lot of maternity leave compared to the country I'm from. So it's probably going to be a really short amount of time. And that is problematic and something we need to fix on a bit of a bigger level than just here on Drinks with Binks. But we've got a whole lot more. Some I'm fun. Um, we're gonna need a bigger drink because we've got maybe some karaoke coming up next i'm not sure oops rights music rights not sure uh we'll have that after this Welcome back to Drinks with Binks. I'm JSB. We've got Jen Lada from ESPN here. We also are connoisseurs. We're karaoke queens, basically. And uh, couldn't have Jen on without us discussing karaoke, which we can't do right now. Well, we can in our homes, which I have been. But Jen, what is your theory behind your, your karaoke approach? Okay, so I am a recovering perfectionist, Julie, which means that like for a very long time, I only did things that I was very good at because... I knew it would turn out well. Well, when I got to be like 25 years old, I was like, this is stupid. I don't want to be this way anymore. And karaoke was the perfect way to like not be good at something, but just embrace the suck, right? Like not a good singer, never classically trained, never was in choir or anything, but just like being able to step in front of people who you probably are never going to see again and who probably won't remember because hello, they are about four drinks in is the perfect way to like start tackling those fears that we have. So that's why I'm a huge fan of karaoke. I have three songs that are musts for your karaoke list. Okay, okay? let's hear. I Want to Dance with Somebody by Whitney Houston. It's hard that to That is a very good song. Yeah. It's such a good song to Crowd sing, pleaser. Right? I also have I Want It That Way by the Backstreet Boys. Everyone knows it. I want to sing. I know I can't. Um, and then I've got Baby Got Back. Baby oh, okay. Back. As wild card listen i had don't stop believing i had living on a prayer everybody sings piano man those are like yes those are karaoke essentials and i always sing the eagle song take it easy whenever i go karaoke as well so there's a bunch of options for you i love it that you decide to go for crowd pleaser because i i used to be the one of like well i know the amish paradise really well and then that oh. was that was a bad scene that was when i knew like do not do what you want to do you got to do what the crowd wants Maybe safe tonight. I love that. Um, total clips really of the heart. Good. Also a little bit of a debatable one. But we got to find out what karaoke song best encompasses the NFL team heading to the Super Bowl, of which I've spent quite a very little bit of time on, very <laughs> minimal, right before this. Uh, was thinking, okay, Chiefs, Don't Stop Me Now, uh, Queen. Also, okay. sometimes I like to call it Mr. Fahrenheit by accident which is Patrick Mahomes are just having a lot of fun. Andy Reid's high-fiving. Everyone's like, well, we've already done this before. Don't stop me now. And then the Bucks is Old Man by Neil Young. Wow. Man, take a look, a look at, at my life. life. I'm a lot like you, which could also be Patrick Mahomes saying that to Tom Brady. That's a bit meta, but thoughts on those karaoke songs for those that's really great because it runs the gamut as well right like you've got queen on one side like just rockers right and then you've got neil young like storyteller we talked about that earlier in the show strumming his guitar he Mm -hmm. could get a little you know he could get a little rocking but more known for like the old man yeah 
he I'm, can keep on rocking in the free world, but also, you know, funny. needle and the damage done sometimes. Uh, <laughs> TB12 method, I'm not sure. Am I implicating? I don't know. Uh, I'm not supporting Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. That is a fact. Also a fact is we got to go to break. We've had a great time with Jen. We have a whole lot more fun after the break. Hello, I'm Christian. I'm Alexis. Okay, we are two stand-up comedians, and we host uh, the funniest soccer show you've ever seen. That's right. We love talking about soccer. We're wild. We're silly. We have no idea what we're doing, but it's a fun ride. And we're on Fubo every Tuesday and Thursday at 8 p.m. That's right. Fubo Sports Network. Do it. Hey, guys, we've had an awesome time drinking and banking here with ESPN's Jen Lada. Jen, where can we find you next? Well, since we're taking a break from college game day for a little while, at least until the season starts up again, I host a radio show here in Milwaukee Monday through Friday. It's from 7 to 9 Central called Jen, Gabe, and Chewy. Um, it should be an interesting time here in Wisconsin, man, between the Packers and Aaron Rodgers and, of course, the Bucks trying to make another push to the Eastern Conference Finals. So we got a lot of stuff to talk about. I also do a podcast called Athletes Doing Good with a friend of mine, Shelly Seward. She runs a marketing firm here in Wisconsin, and we've had a ton of awesome guests who just talk about their philanthropic work and why it's important to them to contribute to their communities and their societies and what they get back from giving back. Uh, it's been really powerful. We just had Jim Kelly on a few weeks ago talking about the Bills resurgence as well as his charities. Started the season with uh, Russell Wilson. So we've got some pretty wow. cool people talking about stuff that they're doing. And um, just another peek inside what makes these people tick as far as uh, humans go as opposed to the athletes you see on the field. Jen, you are always a delight to talk with and just doing so much good in the world and in your life. And you also have three children and your husband also won the same category Telly Award, by the way. What a unique little interesting thing. Thank you so much for being with us here on the show. Good luck with everything going forward. And guys, you know where to find us, Drinks with Banks, on Fubo's YouTube. Watch all the rest of our episodes. And also, if you did not notice, my shirt says drinks on it. We'll see you guys next time. Bottoms up, bitches. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.